Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/fine. Visit IXL.com/fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com/fine. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Jolenta. It's been one week since we lived by Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics by Dan Harris, Jeffrey Warren, and Carly Adler. And you know what that means? It means it's time for another By the Book Minisode. That's right. It is time for another buy the book epilogue or minisode. Because I still don't know what we call it. Whatever we call it. You know, a show yeah. episode, a follow up. Exactly. And this week we are looking at the aftermath of living by meditation for fidgety skeptics. And Jolenta, before we start addressing specific letters, I think we should address a bigger issue that a few listeners have written to us about. Yeah, we have gotten some responses from people who are upset with what I said about meditation not being used in schools and calling me out for, you know, being unaware, insensitive, and incapable of doing 10 seconds of research. So I I would like to respond. Uh, First of all, I would like to say, ouch, that hurts my feelings. But I can see where you're coming from because I didn't explain myself in my rant very well. And uh, second, I would like to say I was in no way trying to insult teachers when I asked why meditation isn't being used more in schools and in other institutions. I was trying to ask, why isn't it a regular part of most curriculums the way, you know, standardized testing is? And as someone who has been a teacher. I've taught in New York public schools up until a few years ago, and before that I taught in San Francisco jails. I only saw meditation being used by very passionate individuals who use their own resources and time or outside grants 
to gain the incredible knowledge about mindfulness that they were passing along to students that just happened to be lucky enough to be placed in their classes. And I, I just wish more administrators and legislators would shift their focus to wellness as well and give these teachers actual support. But but I'm going to step in here mm-hmm. to just give some insights about why schools might not do that. So I did a little bit of research, and here's what I found out. So 85% of meditation and yoga instructors are white, and there are obvious drawbacks to white people teaching people of color how to be mindful. The most mm-hmm. obvious being the optics of the white savior and another issue being the question of whether people of color feel white people are trying to push them into a place of passivity. Mm. Just meditating wow, away. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. And so these are some of the issues that have been addressed because public schools are not 85 percent white. And no. it doesn't make sense then to bring in teachers that are 85 percent white to teach them how to just be silent. Yeah. And wow. another issue is that meditation is a secularized Buddhist practice. And a number of school districts, namely in California, have specifically said no meditation in our schools for religious reasons for the same reasons they would say no prayer in our schools. Mm-hmm. So okay. there are reasons for it. But um, I do want to add to all of that that – Listeners, be nice to Jolenta. Jolenta's being nice to you. <laughs> don't don't beat her up for some asides that she said that actually are valid. So there we go. Now, shall we move on to some specific letters? Yes, please. All right. Let's start with this letter from Dana. Dana wrote, maybe it's because I listened to Dan Harris on his podcast and his appearances on other podcasts, but he fully accepts that meditation isn't for everyone and respects his wife for not doing it or buying in like he has. He also praises her all the time for how amazing she is, not only as his wife, but as a doctor and a mother and a person. He is actually very feminist in his own way. He also has his kid with him sometimes while recording, and the love he has when he is playing with him and keeping that child entertained while also doing his podcast is very apparent. Maybe because I know this, I completely didn't read anything that seemed like he was negative about his wife or a bad father. That's just my experience, though. Yeah, that makes sense. And we we heard from a lot of you who love Dan and his work and his podcast. And, you know, even my husband, Brad, who knows Dan, uh, says he's the best and nicest guy. And I totally don't doubt this. But I just want to remind you guys that, like, this is by the book, not, you know, by the person's whole body of work. Yeah. And we so, only read yeah. the book. Yeah. Um, so our critiques are based solely on what we saw in those pages and how it told us to live. And that is something we picked up on. Yeah. But, you know, Dana wasn't the only perspective that was out there. A lot of people agreed with Dana. But we also got this perspective from lots of people. Teresa wrote, Thank you for articulating why I could not buy into Dan Harris's books, despite all the great research supporting the meditation benefits. I read his first book. I have not read the second one, and now I know why. I'm grateful he provides great research. He interviews the gurus of the field in his podcast, but it's his wife who I think is the real hero here. He got to meditate two hours a day, and his wife, an accomplished and brilliant physician, took time off from her career while he made his pursuit into a book deal. I'm sending out lots of meditative compassion to her, his wife. Thank you. I feel so much better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think his wife sounds great. I listened to his podcast where he interviews her because some of our listeners said to do it. And like, I get, I get where she's coming from. She talks about Dan basically spiraling and needing to work on himself so he could even like 
be a partner again, essentially. And and I get that. Like, I've been there, too. And it ta- you have to take yourself out of your life to, like, really get yourself back up from rock bottom. But I think it's a fine line and a sort of personal line as to, you know, how much time a partner is allowed to take before the other partner is like, okay, now that's just selfish. Well, in this case, it's been years. And I think that's part of what threw you and I for a loop, Jolenta, is yeah. that this whole situation of when he started meditating two hours a day right after the baby was born, it's been years now. That's not a baby anymore. Right, right. And, and for me, my patients would wear thin and I'd be like, okay, let's do one hour now. Or maybe you don't get to run in the morning and you only do meditation or something. Oh, or just please make um, changing diapers meditative. Yeah, Make yeah. cleaning the house meditative. Make bedtime duty make, meditative. Yeah, reading that bedtime story. Yeah, if you can translate all sorts of activities into being meditative, then make childcare meditative. Do yeah. that. But, Do you that. know, we're not in their marriage. And if she has, you know, a higher level of patience, then again, like our listener said, she is the hero. Yes. She's a shiro. She's a total shiro. Now, let's move beyond Dan for a moment. A ton of you have weighed in talking about how meditation has helped or not helped you. Christina wrote, Just wanted to say that meditating while commuting on the subway is such a game changer for me. It's definitely a great productive way to get through a subway ride. Also just wanted to say that meditating is like exercising. It's not a quick fix and you don't see results within a two-week span. But if you put in the time and effort, you'll see results that can really make a difference in your emotional health. Anything that helps the stressful subway ride or any commute for that matter. Oh, totally. Driving in a city or taking a subway or riding your tractor to the field, you know, whatever you need to feel calm. Yeah, because those things can be infuriating. All those things. Now, Nat has a totally different perspective on this. Nat writes, I've had mindfulness meditation foisted on me by a few professionals, and I hate it. I found out recently that mindfulness can even have negative effects on people with PTSD, which I've had to deal with. So I feel very justified in my hatred. While breathing exercises have helped lower my anxiety levels, mindfulness can huff my shorts. I'd rather take a nap. Ooh, you know that whole thing you mentioned um, in the episode about uh, rage naps? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Nat, Do it. Nat's doing the rage nap. Yeah. And Shelly has an altogether different take. She says, I tried meditation. Blah. Then I figured out that my personal form of meditation is through repetitive sports action, like hitting a volleyball against a wall and methodically having it come rebound for another hit. It doesn't feel like wasting time because a skill is being built. It absolutely is gentle and effective meditation for me. I can achieve a similar state of mind by watching videos of other people doing this sports drill. Mm. That's super interesting. And I mean, I just feel like, you know, meditation, like a lot of other wellness or exercise practices, even if it takes time to get there, like, I do think you instinctually know if it's vibing with you, you know? I took my first yoga class after not having done it, like, really seriously ever, And even though I sucked at it and I knew I'd have to do it for years to get better, I was like, I want to get better at this. When I take Brad, he's like, I want to die. Stop it. (laughs) And it's the same thing with his rock climbing and bouldering. He sucked at it when he started. Now he's freaking amazing. But whenever he takes me, I'm like, this place smells like a foot and I hate this and I'm sore. Yeah. I I feel like that about a lot of things. And if it works for you, hey, do it. it. If it doesn't work for you. That's fine, too. Yeah, it's, it's all good. fine. 
Um, next, I want to read a letter we got from an actual professional person. Ooh, I love it when professional people reach out to us. Yes. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. Emma wrote us to say, I'm a clinical psychologist and I practice and teach mindfulness meditation. From my experience of my own mindfulness practice, I see amazing benefits to meditation. But I would still query the assertion that everyone needs to meditate. There are two things I think most people need to have in their lives, and mindfulness meditation can be a great way to get them, but it is by no means the only way. Thing one is the ability to shift into a being state of mind, present in the moment instead of always and only existing in the doing state of mind. The doing mode isn't necessarily getting stuff done, but distraction and overthinking and disappearing into the past and future and hypotheticals and worries and obsessions. A being state of mind is simply being fully engaged in the present moment, no matter what you're doing. Thing two, the ability to step back from your thoughts and emotions, notice what's going on, notice patterns, what does and doesn't work for you, and make decisions about how to respond or change without feeling overwhelmed. Some people do this naturally. Most people have some way of doing this through journaling or painting or poetry or with a supportive person who can say, hey, you've got caught up in this same thing again. Why don't you drop it? I don't want anyone to think that if they can't spend two hours a day opting out of normal life, then they have to miss out entirely on something that, as you say, is available to everyone and for free and makes us feel better and function better. So many great points. Oh, I love this. Emma, real Emma, you clinical write the book. psychologist. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I love your open mind. I love that you allow for different perspectives, and I love that... We only really just need to think about those two things, not necessarily how we get to those two things, the being state of mind and then the ability to step back from our thoughts and emotions and just notice what's going on. Those are two things we can all do. Love it. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to talk to a very special guest who has some thoughts on Kristen's experience with meditation and also we'll be announcing next week's book. Do you ever find yourself wading through your newsfeed on Facebook or Twitter, wishing you could just call someone up and ask, what do I really need to pay attention to here? Well, what if you could? I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next, Slate's new daily news podcast. And every weekday morning, I'm going to be on call for you, taking you inside one story, going deep behind the headlines. What Next is news you're not going to get just scrolling through your phone. To listen, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And we're back. And Jolenta, we have a very special guest with us. Uh, yes, we do. Now, we have heard from a ton of you who think that Kristen should keep giving meditation a chance. Many of you believe it will make her life better if she just keeps practicing. And on our Facebook page, a large percentage of you say that all people should meditate. We think this is worth addressing. And so we've invited a very special guest to join us today. Guest, would you please introduce yourself? Hey, it's uh, Kristen's husband, Dean, here. Hi, honey. Hey, everybody. What's up? Dean. I have to ask, why do you hate meditation so much and insist on interrupting Kristen? 
what do you mean? No, no, no. I don't hate meditation. I meditate. In fact, it helps me a lot. Um, I've been meditating for years. Wait, are you serious? Because while Kristen was trying to live by meditation for fidgety skeptics, I could not help but notice that you were constantly joking around and interrupting and teasing while she was really trying to seriously follow all of the book's directions. Well, but that doesn't mean I don't like meditation or use meditation in my everyday life. Um, I was just, did you, did you see Kristen during this book? She was, she was definitely stressed. She's, she was stressed. <laughs> she was miserable. She was under a bit of a cloud. You're right. And that's not my Kristen. I don't know which Kristen that is, but it sure as heck ain't mine. No, you're right. Um, and so a lot of that was just me trying to cheer her up. She was so grouchy and so crotchety after trying to live by that book, and it just wasn't helping or working. That's, that's a good point, and that's super interesting. But, you know, if you like meditation and you use it every day to improve your life, don't you want Kristen's life to be improved as well? Well, absolutely. Her life is miserable. <laughs> um, oh, wait. No, let's scratch that a little bit and think about it. So, so, yeah, I mean, if it works for people, I think it's a great thing to do. And sure, if it makes your life better, go ahead. But if it doesn't work, don't try and force it on yourself. Have you, have you ever, like, walked along the street with Kristen? I know you yes, have. Yes, yes, I have. And you know how sometimes, even if you're in a hurry, it can be sometimes a little distracting for yes. her because <laughs> she lives so in the moment and she'll see a rose or a bird or a cat yes. or a dog oh, and yes. want to stop and talk to the dog or the rose or the cat or a friend. Um, she's so in the moment. I don't know that she needs to spend 20 minutes a day focusing on being in the moment because she's in the moment almost mm -hmm. all the time. And that's one of the reasons she's so happy. Right. And one of the reasons I was so frustrated when she was doing this book because she really wasn't happy. Yeah. She was trying to force this thing that she kind of does naturally. Um, for me, I had to learn how to force it a little bit. You know, yeah, my brain's yeah, racing here. with so many things to go on, and I use meditation to slow that down and help me sleep a little and stay a little more centered. But I just don't think Kristen needs this. Yeah, They're, it's like you know. it gave her more space to worry instead of, like, noticing the things around her she appreciates or, like, just taking things in as they come. Well, honey, I have to say I appreciate the fact that you were trying to cheer me up when we were living by this book because I didn't think I was coming off as that grouchy. I didn't think anything was even worth recording in our home diaries of me being grouchy because I thought I was mostly myself just a little less smiley. Was I really a grouch? I mean, there were definitely moments when you reacted to things that caught me by surprise, and I'm pretty sure it was because of this intense focus on trying to, trying to follow the rules of that book. You know, this happens quite a bunch with some of the books we do. He is so <laughs> diplomatic. He's not like, oh, yeah, you're a raving bitch. <laughs> so nice. I love it. But I, I want to ask a question of Kristen about Dean now. Kristen, how do you feel about Dean meditating? Do you hate it? Do you make fun of him while he does it? Oh, I think it's great. It makes him happy. He uses one of those apps on his phone sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or, Honey, that's how you started out was with the app, right? Yeah, I started out with the app. I don't use that anymore. But, um, yeah, that's how I got started. Yeah, and so it's worked great for him. And 
you guys know Dean. He's like the jolliest person yeah, on the whole earth. For real. And he's so sweet and he's so calm and Aww. he's just the best. He's I would wonderful. think of him as someone who like didn't need meditation because he's so chill about stuff. But yeah. maybe that's because he meditates. Maybe, maybe. But you but know, there are definitely moments when I need to meditate, um, and it, it definitely helps me. One last question for you, Dean. Uh, the author of this book. Uh, Dan Harris talks about how he's sort of bummed that his wife doesn't share his passion for meditation. Do you ever just want to make Kristen sit down with you and try it harder or go to a class or something? I mean, I, no. I think that's a slippery slope mm. all the way to The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, um, oh no. wow. <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't think I should dictate what makes my wife happy. Yeah. I don't think that makes any sense at all. Um, no, that makes sense. And, yeah. you know, if the author of the book really wants her to try and participate, that's totally his thing. But I, did, I wouldn't insist on Kristen doing that or push harder. Well, I mean, we, we really tried for those two weeks, and it, it, mm-hmm. didn't, it certainly didn't improve her state of mind, I don't think. And so, I don't know, is two weeks enough? I don't know, the community will tell us, I guess. But uh, I certainly thought it was. That's so interesting. Well, I'm really glad I got your perspective. It really helps me understand what what Kristen was going through better. So thanks so much, Dean. Yeah, and thanks so much, honey, for, you know, I think sharing your experience with meditation is also good for the listeners to hear. Yeah, totally. um, And I'm glad. Oh, you're more than welcome. I mean, we're all in this together, right? America's favorite husband. Turns out he meditates every day. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Sorry, Brad. Uh, Brad, you rock climb, and that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) He does. Oh, the shoulders on that boy. They're great. They're getting crazy. He looks good. <laughs> I agree. Thanks, honey. Love you. Love you, Dean. Right. Bye-bye. Love you guys. Bye. Have a great day. You too, yeah. honey. Bye-bye. Bye. And now, Jolenta, it is a very special time in the show. <gasps> My favorite time. Yay! It is time to announce next week's book. Next week's book is... Ba-ba-ba-ba. Zero Waste Home, The Ultimate Guide to Simplifying Your Life by Reducing Your Waste by B. Johnson. Can we make no waste? Will this really be the ultimate? Can you do it in an apartment and not a home? I think an apartment is a home. Oh, right. We'll dive deeper into all of this in next week's episode. Reminder, you can always reach out to us, leave us a voicemail at 505-510-BOOK or write to us at buythebook at panoply.fm. And don't forget to join our Facebook community. You can talk to other listeners. You can talk about self-help books. You can talk about episodes, anything. Ask us questions. It is a wonderful, welcoming space. Thanks, as always, to our amazing producer, Cameron Drews. Cameron, we love you. And a special thanks to our guest, America's favorite husband, Dean. Dean! Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. Bye-bye! Did you see the, like, stuff that I sent you? Yes, I did. Yeah. What it comes down to is, you know. Basically, I need to save your show because you screwed it up. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's basically the story here. Okay. And so you want my fans to rally around and protect you. Yep. I understand. We're using you for your fan base. (laughs) You've got it. 
This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.